The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2004. This is it. The season finale of The Mandalorian. Chapter 8 is called Redemption, and that's what's on tap for our Mandalorian briefing today. Punch it. Hey Rebel Razor, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. And it's in the books. Chapter 8 is the season finale for season 1 of The Mandalorian. Redemption is what we're talking about today. This is a full spoiler review, so if you have not checked out Redemption, then save this episode for a later date. But if you are okay with me diving into the details, well, let's do it. Now, I know I said that... For me, the funniest moment in The Mandalorian was the scene with Baby Yoda trying to heal Grief Karga and Grief Karga saying, he's trying to eat me, right? And I'll still stand by that. But man, oh man, the comedy and the bravery of the folks making The Mandalorian to start off their season finale with a skit that could easily have been in Troops. If you don't remember Troops, that was probably one of the very first fan films, actually one of the first fan films of the internet age. Hardware Wars, I think, would probably be the uh, <laughs> first fan film, if you will. But Troops was the version of the show Cops, but with Imperial Stormtroopers on Tatooine. That's basically what we have here with these two goofy scout troopers, one of whom is played by Jason Sudeikis. That's the one who punches Baby Yoda while Baby Yoda is in that sack. Adam Perry is the other stormtrooper, the other biker scout. And oh my gosh, it really is like an episode of Troops or like a segment on Troops. It was hysterical. And then IG-11 showing up. <laughs> yeah, that was unpleasant. I'm sorry you had to see that. Uh, so the nurse protocol thing, yeah, that was great. Also very well done with the biker scouts not being able to hit anything. Just bored and trying to shoot a can thing on the ground and they can't hit it. And Jason Sudeikis rattling his little scout trooper gun. It sounded like, oh, you know, like uh, 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 spray paint, right? Like when you shake a can of spray paint and it has that little ball bearing in there that rattles around inside. Like that's the noise the gun made when he shook it. What a strange opening for a season finale. And yet it was brilliant and it worked very well. And then IG-11 going absolutely nuts flying that speeder bike in and shooting the heck up out of the town. Which incidentally, I did not mention on yesterday's episode, but two elements of this Imperial deployment by Moth Gideon were rather remarkable. One of them being that troop transport that arrived, which was based on the Sears 
Christmas thing that came out like in 1978 or something like that. Like a toy that never appeared in any of the movies, but they made this thing especially for Sears department stores. And now that thing is being used in The Mandalorian. In fact, it actually appeared in Star Wars Rebels, and now here it is in The Mandalorian too. So that was pretty funny. As well as the E-Web heavy repeating blaster cannon, which is you know a toy I remember having as a kid and it's the thing that they tried to set up on Hoth when the Millennium Falcon was trying to escape and that little cannon dropped out of the bottom of the Falcon and shot up the snowtroopers that were setting up one of those things so that was you know, a neat little throwback thing to see also and the battle scenes were very intense very well done. Moff Gideon, oh, he is a villain to be reckoned with. Former Imperial Security Bureau guy, rose to the level of Moff, now a warlord who is just shooting his troops indiscriminately because he's just that much of a bad mamma jamma. I mean, wow, wow. He is going to be quite the addition to Star Wars lore, for sure. And him getting the drop on the Mandalorian? Oh, yeah, right? But a very nicely handled twist or just, you know, a way of dealing with the Mandalorian's thing about, nope, can't take my helmet off, I'm just gonna have to die like this because he's not supposed to be seen by any living thing and IG-11's like, I am not a living thing. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> They actually found a way to show us the Mandalorian's face without violating the Mandalorian code. I thought that was pretty well done. And all the Mandalorians are gone except for the armor, who is just kind of taking her own sweet time going through the pile of Mandalorian armor and, and reclaiming it. That was a little bit interesting, I guess, but you know maybe they didn't know until you know this whole firefight business happened and they had to follow the... Mandalorian and his compatriots down in the sewers like they had no idea the Mandalorians were down there this whole time but man oh man the armor sure took those five stormtroopers to task didn't she wow the only thing I felt bad about was that the one stormtrooper fell into her forge and obviously burned up but that's not gonna be good for the Beskar that's been molten in there right like you know, you've introduced a foreign substance into that situation. So that was like, oh man, is that going to ruin the Beskar? That's kind of too bad. And really, these two, last two episodes were just packed with fun moments to talk about too. I mean, Baby Yoda force-choking Cara Dune in episode 7 because he was being protective of the Mandalorian, right? And now you know, stopping the fire-blasting magma trooper, right? The flamethrower. Ugh, yeah, and then with the effort, like, passing out, like, going, ugh, and <laughs> falling over. So cute and so amazing. It's really ridiculous. And then we have another sad moment with IG-11's sacrifice, which also then makes it so that way, if for some reason IG-11 had the Mandalorian's face, in its memory banks, well, now that's gone away. So now we've really eliminated the Mandalorian's face being shown to anyone. So that's a good thing for the Mandalorian at least. But yeah, that was a, a sad situation. And yet obviously one necessitated by the situation. So from a storytelling perspective, it was definitely very well handled. Also, the Mandalorian getting his jetpack, which he, he talked about in episode three, saying, I gotta get one of those. But unfortunately, you know, one thing not quite followed through was that the armorer said, you know, you're gonna have to do drills and it's not going to respond to your commands until you get to know it better, basically. But 
obviously the Mandalorian was able to use that jetpack in very effectively right away. The Rising Phoenix? Oh yeah, very cool, very cool. But look, we really need to talk about the ending <laughs> of this show, and really we need to spend a lot more time on it, but yeah, that'll come down the road. Let's just talk about the initial reaction to it after the break. Stay tuned. Hey Rebel Razor, I've made some changes to the Asteroid Belt level at patreon.com SW7X7 and they are all with sponsors in mind. So if you want to get the word out about your business, your product, your service to a dedicated Star Wars audience, then please check out patreon.com SW7X7 and look for the Asteroid Belt level for details. Again, that's patreon.com SW7X7. Welcome back. So I feel like Jon Favreau was given two very important gifts. I think he was given the gift of Baby Yoda by George Lucas in a way because, I mean, if there's one thing that was really sacrosanct in Star Wars where it was like, you know, we don't know anything about the background, the details, the anything, so it's like a door that we can't even walk through. It's Yoda's species, and yet, and yet, We've gotten to see this species and see what it's capable of at age 50. So that's something. And the fact that we're going to be possibly seeing more of its species because that's what the Mandalorian is being tasked with for season two and beyond. Oh man, that's crazy. And then we have the gift from Dave Filoni, which is Moff Gideon surviving that TIE Fighter crash, but doing it by cutting himself out of the TIE Fighter with the Dark Saber. So if you're not familiar with this particular weapon, this goes back to Star Wars Rebels and to a Mandalorian who became a Jedi Knight and who crafted his own saber, which was the Dark Saber, which is this black-bladed lightsaber. And it has since become, I guess for all intents and purposes, the Excalibur of Mandalore. Like, if you wield the Dark Saber, then you're basically in charge of Mandalore. At one point, Sabine Wren in Star Wars Rebels came to possess the Darksaber, and she passed it off to Bo-Katan, sorry for the pronunciation of the last name, Cruz, Cries, uh, Cries, uh, which, um, she was a sister of the Duchess Satine, who was in love with Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Obi-Wan Kenobi was in love with her, but it was an unrequited situation, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Bo-Katan had the Darksaber, the last that we saw it, on Mandalore, and was looking to unite the clans against the Empire. But beyond that, we don't know what happened to it. However, here we are, what is it now, uh, nine years later, and Moff Gideon is in possession of the Darksaber, which means that he must have had something to do with Mandalore. And we kind of have that idea anyway by the fact that he knew the Mandalorian's real name, which, according to the Mandalorian, was only available in Mandalorian archives, so he would have had to be on Mandalore at some point to get that kind of access. And this now provides additional confirmation that he spent some significant time on Mandalore, and by significant, I mean somehow he managed to get the Darksaber, so that suggests that he is the ruling authority on Mandalore, or was at some point, which is certainly going to be a major dramatic 
part of season two. That's what I would say based on the fact that they chose to reveal it. I mean, I don't know how you show Moff Gideon wielding the Darksaber and not address his relationship to Mandalore and its power structure in the following season. So, yeah. We'll dig into that more in the coming days and weeks and months as we find time to talk about it in between talking about The Rise of Skywalker and, hey, we're coming to the end of this year, so we have a lot to look back on and a lot to look forward to for 2020. So, yeah, these next few weeks are going to be hopping, to say the least. That is going to do it for my look right now, at least, at Redemption, which is Chapter 8 of Season 1, the season finale of The Mandalorian, and that's going to do it for this episode of the show as well. Thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the Force be with you wherever in the Parsec you may be. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other related Star Wars items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2019 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.